This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hello and welcome to the Bear Den. I'm Matt Workman and I'm joined right beside me with by Joe Goodman. In person. This yes. is the... This is the first non-remote episode of the Bear Den. Yes. In the same room at Big Told Media Days in our hotel. Uh, how's it going, Joe? An eventful day, Matt. It yeah. was uh, it was an experience uh, like none that I think I've ever had before. It was a lot of fun today. We got to we got to meet some really cool people. We got to see some really cool things. We got to listen to some really really intelligent football coaches talk. We got to hear from Commissioner Brett Yormark today. Um, it was a long day. Uh, we start we started up pretty early, and we were we were there pretty late. Um, but yeah, man, it was a, it was a lot of fun. We still have a, a whole other day of it tomorrow. Yes, we do. It was a long day, like you said, and it was a very interesting day. We saw a lot of people that personally that I listened to that I kind of inspired me to even like start a podcast. So it was. Interesting, but also to be in the same room with like these people you see on TV, these coaches, players, and like like you said earlier today, like you asked the question directly to Dave Aranda, and he answered you looking like right at you. It was like that's a little bit of a surreal situation to be in. Yeah, like somebody that I I regularly watch on television for entertainment, and yeah. it's like he's a like larger than life person in my brain because he only exists as Dave Aranda, the football coach, and like breaking that barrier of yeah. having like. Being like, hey, let me ask you something, and then you're like, oh yeah, I would be more than happy to answer your question person to person. Like that, um, it, it's 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 very surreal. And the other part about it is too is because all of these teams they bring players with them, right? And you know, I got to I got to interact with Jalen Daniels today. We talked we talked to T.J. Franklin. We talked to Drake Dabney, uh, Blake Shapin. Um, who else did we talk? We talked to a lot of people today. Uh, Mike, Mike Smith, Jr. Mike Smith Jr. Um, it, it, you know, and it's. It's really interesting watching it because sometimes, because college football as a sport is so national, it's so monetized, and it's treated just like any professional sport where it's like grown men making millions of dollars are playing it that you're watching them on TV. It's kind of easy to forget that these are 18, 19, 20, 21-year-old kids. Yeah. Like, is, is that, that's, that's what they are. 
And, and you and I were talking when we were at dinner earlier. It was just like, I talked to Jalen Daniels just in passing. I walked by. He had the coolest accessory on out of anybody today. He was wearing a diamond chain. And the pendant on it was, it was essentially like a, an Apple Watch face that was encrusted in diamonds. And it was just running loops of his own his, highlights. His highlights, yeah. It was so cool. But, like, I walked up to him. I was I asked him if I could look at it. He let me see it. It was really, really cool. And But just to see, like, the joy on his face and, like, it was a cool experience for somebody like him, the guy that's voted Offensive Player of the Year coming into 2023 in the Big 12. He was, you know, you could tell that there was an excitement there with him. Like, man, this many media people, this many people here while I'm standing on the field at Cowboys Stadium or AT&T Stadium um, here in Arlington. Like, 200, 200 media people want to talk to me and everybody's excited to be here for me. So, like, watching watching the players be excited about things was, was a very unique perspective as well. Yeah, it was cool for me, like, to be in AT&T Stadium, like you said, to be on the field and, you know, the same field that, like, a bunch of professional athletes play on or will play on in a few months. And it's, uh, for us, we just have this, like, silly podcast. It's a very, like, surreal situation to be in. Definitely some imposter syndrome and probably very warranted imposter syndrome for us today. Yes, yes. But concerning the, like, actual, like, content of what was talked about today uh, anything you heard did anything stand out to you or what stood out to you from the the coaches players whoever? I think first and foremost it was it was your mark at the very beginning so he kicked off the day with um, what I would describe as like a state of the union um, yeah in a way uh, he just he walked out he didn't sit down behind a table he had a he had a stack of paper that had some facts and stuff written on it and he just walked the stage it almost looked like a you know, one of those uh, CEO of a technology it was company. Like a, it was like the Apple. Like, yeah, very Steve Jobs. Yeah. Uh, the way that he kind of paced up there and was, you know. Had his hand in his pocket, was just walking around. Very, very cool. Uh, and and he, he didn't just focus on football, even though this was football media days. He brought up basketball. He brought up softball. He brought up baseball. He talked about all the accomplishments in the Big 12 that happened over the last year. And then he spent a really good amount of time focusing on what we're going to do looking forward. Um, I don't have his exact quote in front of me. It's written down in my bag just across the room and I won't get up and get it. But essentially like he said something along the lines of like, we're not looking back for us. What's important is what's happening next. Uh, so he, he really talked about um, their focus on, on connecting with Gen Z and how that's the generation that, that they want to connect with um, moving into whatever the next stage of college football is going to be. He announced that uh, they had extended the deal uh, to have the Big 12 football championship game at AT&T Stadium through the 2030 uh, season. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he talked about how they were in talks with the city of Kansas City on finding a way to extend the basketball championship deal that they had there in that city. He kept saying doubling down. That was kind of the big term. Yeah, I noticed here. that too. Like he wants to double down on on what they're already doing in these championship games and make them bigger. Part of that is there's apparently a big name that's going to be announced, I think he said, on August 12th um, for who the halftime yeah. performer is going that's to be. That's when the tickets go on sale for the Big 12 Championship Correct. game, August 12th. Yeah, August 12th, you can start buying tickets to the Big 12 Championship game, and they're also going to be announcing uh, who the halftime performance artist is. It's apparently somebody we can get excited about, and uh, it's going to actually be a part of the ABC broadcast that's yeah. going to be happening there. Um the other other big thing that he brought up, and it was one of the first things he actually said when he came out, was, I know you guys are going to have questions on expansion, you know, and, and realignment within college football. And he essentially said, like, 
I'm not really going to answer questions on that today. But then he, he knew that that wasn't going to be good enough. That He's really good at his job. Yeah. Where he gave everybody just enough. Because he came out and he said, you know, when we had our, our spring conference, which I, I did I did have the ability to, to go to, um, it was online on Zoom. Uh, they talked a little about, about realignment. And what he said then was, we have a plan. That was his yeah. quote. And he brought up, he said, we have a plan. Um, and it, the next part of that was, hopefully that plan you know, will happen sooner rather than later. Uh, I thought that was a, a really interesting nugget as well. Um, and then after that kind of state of the union that he did, he, he, he ended up having a sit down where they had, you know, basically guided questions from somebody, the big 12 that was asking him pre-prepared things. And then they did open it up for, um, for questions. And somebody brought up that last year he had mentioned that he liked a 14 team league. So tying into kind of the, the realignment and the expansion in the big 12, because after this year, of course, we're going to drop down to 12. He said, I, I probably shouldn't have said that. And he's like, I, I'll absolutely back backpedal on that 14 number. Um, and what he basically said was, we are not chasing a number. We're looking for schools that bring value and fit our culture. He even mentioned if there was a non, uh, non power five, like a yeah. group of sky five school out there, you know, yeah, we'd be willing to bring them in as long as they brought value, they fit into the culture. And he said, that's what's most important to him, that they're not saying the Big 12 needs to be at a certain number. It's rather, what is the value that a team that you might add to the conference would bring? Yeah, and he was, you're absolutely right. He, he pushed big on basketball, talked about the Rucker Park, was actually in a few weeks, the, the camps, or the what they're going to have up there with the 11 Big 12 coaches. He was... He's very confident, and I think there's a lot he, a lot of things that he said. Like, I think there's things that he can't really come out and say and allude to. Right. If he is working on stuff, he can't allude to like I got two teams in mind, right. and we, you know, we're just waiting to like dot the i's and cross the t's. But uh, yeah, he was very impressive. Um, it was really interesting to see. Like, we were just sitting there, and he just like walked by, and like he's at the table next to us, and we're like. That's the, you know, Brett Yormark's right there. Yeah. It's just so odd. But um, after Brett Yormark, the first coach to speak was your favorite coach. I know. Mr. Sonny Dykes. <laughs> and he had a lot of questions he needed to answer to based on, like, his performance. You know, you know, they made the playoff. They beat Michigan. They were in the championship game. But then in the offseason, they made some what I think me and you would be considered uh, as a questionable hires or a questionable hire. Yeah, yeah. He brought in Kendall Bryles. I will say there wasn't a ton of questions around it. There was, I, th- I think the general theme for, for Dykes um, when it came to his questions was, was really around, you know, how do you avoid maybe a hangover from last year? You're replacing a lot of production. You know, what are your expectations? And he even actually brought up, he thought that they should – that they should be ranked lower than where the media had put them in the, in the preseason rankings, which that's yeah. a pretty common thing for coaches to say. But yes, he did get asked um, about the vetting process for Kendall Bryles and shout out to Sheehan. For yeah. yeah she, she asked the question. So uh, you know, shout out to him. I, th- he started the question off first with a very loud sigh. Um, that was the first thing that I noticed. It was kind of, he was kind of like, and it was almost like I knew this was coming. Yeah, and exactly it's just what like, it was, it like, was like, all right, okay. here we go. Okay, like let's just go ahead and get it out there. I have I have had TCU fans in my mentions on Twitter because I brought up something he said in this answer. I 
I don't agree with one of the things he said. I do think, though, overall, he gave an okay answer for what the question was. He was articulate. He didn't back down from it. He brought up a number of things. I just don't necessarily agree with one of the sentiments that he had, which was essentially he said, when I heard about everything that went down at Baylor, and this is not an exact quote. Again, I'm paraphrasing. Um, you know, He said, when I heard about everything that went down at Baylor, it made me really step, step back and say, hey, what do I need to do to make sure that this doesn't happen in my program? Which, okay, fair. Great answer to have there, though I do really think you shouldn't have to think about that. Like, what happened at Baylor was beyond the pale. We're talking about just the lowest levels of human decency that were broken. Um, if you disagree with me on that, I'm sorry. It's the truth. Um, but then the next thing that he said, though, was he said basically, like, uh, everything is everything is better now because of what happened there. And he, he meant it in the sense that, like, oh, schools are maybe more acutely aware of, um, you know, how to handle sexual assault, how Title IX should be handled. And I think to a degree, he's probably right. Like, there are probably schools that, that said, I don't want that to happen to me. Let's make sure all of our, our T's are crossed and our I's are dotted in that sense. But it really rubbed me the wrong way. And you and I both looked at each other when we said yeah. it. Like, we kind of gasped. It was almost like, are you seriously sitting here saying that a sexual assault scandal on a scale that we had never seen in college football that caused really the destruction of Baylor's administration, not just from an athletic standpoint, but from like a, a school administration standpoint, there's there's no silver lining there in my mind. Like that's what I kept trying to tell TCU fans that got that said I was just like trying to take his quote out of context. I'm not taking his quote out of context. He's basically saying like, well, hey, you know, I may have hired Kendall Bryles, but because of what happened while he was at Baylor, everybody's better at what they do now. Like that is just that's not an okay answer to me, Matt. Yeah, no, I was I'm I'm reading it right now and. It's just, it doesn't, I don't think he meant to say what he said. I mean, I kind of get like the gist of what he was saying was, we learned as college football as a whole, learned from the Baylor situation, and we have this knowledge moving forward so we don't make the same mistakes. But where you're right, that's what he was saying. What, Where he I'm, what I'm saying here is, that's not a silver lining. No. <laughs> that's like, that. that is... So bad what happened at Baylor. Like you shouldn't have to. You shouldn't need that. What the situation that we're talking about? It would be like something like I had a friend who ran out of gas. So now every time my car gets below a quarter tank of gas, I fill it up because of what happened to them. That's a fair situation. Yeah. To like to use that comparison. I don't think like I I don't know. Maybe it makes me look down on him a little bit that he would seem to think that you need a scandal on that level to happen to sit there and say, maybe we should make sure some checks and balances are in place so this doesn't continuously occur. It, I don't know. Maybe maybe I'm overreacting, but I it really, it, I really did not like the answer that he gave there. Yeah, I mean, basically, I mean, he said, like, he worked with Art. He's known Kendall for, like, years since he was in high school. And that, and really, I mean, that's that's a sufficient answer. Yeah, he could have said a lot of worse like, things. I know the family. I know him personally. Yeah. And he he said some things like about him being like a great leader, which I think is an odd thing to say considering the baggage that Kendall does have. Uh, but people can grow and people, people can, can change. So I, you know, like what we were talking about is what, seven years old now, six years old yeah. now, um, not to excuse anything. 
and also uh, with with Kindle, we are making some assumptions, which I don't think are unfair to make with his involvement, what he knew, what he did or didn't do. But at the end of the day, only he knows what he did or didn't do. Like you and I are never going to know everything that we have. We're inferring from things that we have read other people write throughout what has right. happened during the situation. So who knows? We may be completely crucifying the wrong person in all of this. Like I, I you know, it, that is absolutely a possibility of what may have happened. But overall, I don't think you and either of us are, are fans of that higher. I don't think we need to really talk about it anymore. That was kind no. of, that was kind of the thing that stuck out with, with the Sonny Dykes interview. But I will say overall, I think he did handle himself pretty well up there beyond that one answer that I did not like. Um, there was also a very large contingent of TCU media that was there very much wearing their purple, um, which I think is expected considering um, they're coming off of a national championship game. Um, there's a lot of, yeah, and they're local. I mean, they're right down the road. Yeah, there was there were two other guys to me that, that really stuck out, though, from a coaching standpoint. Um, first, I, I think we'll get into is probably Dana Holgerson. Yeah, he was next up. Dana Holgerson was the second uh, coach to speak. And, uh, very, very, yeah. very, very snazzy cougar red nice, suit that nice he was wearing. Jacket. Um, yeah. The man is balder than you can imagine. Like the hair, the hair is going away yeah. and like, more than uh, you can notice on TV. We talked to Paul Catalina and he was like, he noticed like, like he's holding on to that like hair, even yeah. though like <laughs> you could probably just shave that off and like just go full Aranda. Yeah, what's weird is he, he he still wears visors too. Like he's not he's not trying to hide it. He's just holding on to the hair that he has on the side. But he very much had the vibe of a guy that just rolled out of like uh you know the craps table, not even in Vegas, like in Reno. And he yeah. came down here for this. Like he looked maybe slightly hungover and but very, very real dude. Just like we, yeah. we always kinda came to know him when he was at West Virginia. Um he is. I mean, his answers were you could. They weren't canned answers. Yeah, there was. He did not have a PR person that sat he him just down and is said, like "Yeah, that dude." He just is like laid back and like doesn't really care about putting on a show. Yeah, and he he talked he talked multiple times about how how much the Texas Tech loss that they had hurt them. Um, like he brought so he brought Texas Tech up a couple tell. of times. He he want, it was, he was asked about making that like a. A rivalry. Moving forward, rivalry forward. He, you tell, he wants it to be a rivalry going forward. Yeah. He brought it up, like you said, multiple times. He also mentioned how he he's good to be the new guy again because he brought in West Virginia to the Big 12 back in 2012. And now he's doing that whole thing again with Houston um, this year. So uh, I enjoyed his press conference, his question and answer period. He gave like real answers, as did um, I think our, our next – was it – yeah, the next the next fun one. Uh, the next, well, there I think Kansas was in between. Oh uh, no no no! I, I think because Kansas went. I think after no yeah Kansas did go next. You're correct because yeah because yeah Aranda went after. Um, and it was interesting. We were sitting there, and he did his you know opening statement. Yeah, Lance, and he had questions, and I think who are you talking about? Leipold. Oh yeah, Lance Leipold. Lance Leipold was next, and he did his his opening statement. And then, like, it was almost exclusively questions from Kansas media and no one else. Yeah, and he, his his presser kind of ended early, too. It ended early. nobody wanted to ask him questions. And it ended early, and that's why they were like, it was like the next guy had, like, 20 minutes before he was supposed to be up there. He hadn't even started giving his, like, interview on ESPN U set yet. So we just kind of waited around. And then uh, it was 
it ended and he was like, no more questions for coach. All right, thanks. And he left. Yeah. It, it, it was kind of sad. You know, uh, we did see something similar at the end, but that, yeah. that coach ended up getting more questions. We'll cover that. But, but yeah, Leipold, Leipold wasn't asked a, a whole lot of questions. He wasn't, he wasn't all that exciting. Surprising yeah. to me considering. But it, it also felt like the vibe Leipold gave out was like, I don't want to answer any more questions. Yeah. He's not an excited, he's not an exhilarating <laughs> it's different guy. from the coach that had that same situation. It's a different vibe. Yeah. Yeah, following Holgerson after Leipold was Aranda, correct? Yeah, I think uh, we. I did. I think I skipped um, Gundy. No, Gundy came after Aranda. Okay, yeah, you're right. Yeah, you're yeah. right. You're right. You're right. So we'll, we'll we'll save Aranda for last because because so Gundy with Holgerson was the other one that I really really liked because he was he was Gundy. He was. You got the full Gundy experience. Yeah, he. I mean, he even called out OU. So called many, out yeah, OU. He, Bedlam got brought up, and he was like multiple Look. times called out. OU. Yeah, he was like Bedlam is ending because Oklahoma left the Big Twelve. That's it. End of story. And he said, Oklahoma State has nothing to do with it. Like, yeah, that dude was, you know, it was it was interesting. He, the mullet was on full display. It was a very, I, I'm sure he colors his hair. Because his, his beard is Santa Claus white. Yeah. And then his hair is just the darkest brunette that it could be in this perfect mullet. He's and then his a glorious like, man. He's so tan. Oh, he yeah, has he, this white beard. We could barely pay attention to what he was saying because I looked at you and I was like, I don't think that man has been inside this year. Yeah. And it's also, you transpose his his pigment to his like white facial hair. It's like, this is just a weird While wearing situation orange polo. Is, it's so weird. Yeah. Like, <laughs> he's wearing an Oklahoma State orange polo and, and like, and he's got I this like focus on what he's saying. Skin. I'm just mesmerized by the, how he looks. Yeah. And he, it's almost like he half loves being there and half hates being there. Because his posture is like, oh my god, I hate all of you, but I do like this attention. Yeah. <laughs> Please pay attention to me. I don't want to answer your questions. <laughs> yeah. That, that's very my Gundy. Uh, but I loved him. He was great. He was very, very entertaining to sit there and listen to. Um, and then I think the last one of the day uh, was after Gundy, right? It was, Kalani Sataki. Yeah, from, from BYU. Yes. Who was the first person, um, coincidentally, that we saw. So we parked we, when we finally figured out where to park. it was yeah, They told us to go to Lot 10, but you had to go into entrance. It was weird. Um, you had to go to 1 to then park to go to, go to 10. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, <clears throat> But well, there were there was like a number of cars that were also confused. So I was like, I'm just going to follow where they go. Yeah. Turned out it was like the entire BYU team and their coaches. BYU team, yeah. the BYU coaches. Is like... And Kalani Sataki, a very big man in, in real life. Like, yes. He, very, very intimidating dude. And he looks like he is like a defensive lineman. Yeah. He, he looks like he could go play right now. Yeah. And... What did he do immediately? He said that he held the door open for like He's 40 people at security. Biggest smile in the world. He was like, yeah, guys, come on in. Let me hold the like the head coach of BYU's and like very servant leader of him. Is, is That's yeah. the kind of the vibe that I got. I get a vibe off of him. He gave his like <clears throat> press conference and he talked about the mission of the church that's affiliated with BYU and that even if you don't, yeah, he said like, it doesn't matter if you're part of the church. Part of the church you follow Jesus Christ. So I, I appreciated it in the sense that like it's a very like David Randa Baylor esque vibe of like this is our mission. We believe in our mission. Yeah, and we try to be that. And you don't have to follow to a T what that is. You just have to kind of you have to mesh with what our kind of ethics and morality and code are. Yeah. Like you don't have to believe the same way that we do. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I got that vibe from him. He also did give a, a really cool shout out to Baylor. 
um, during his press conference because yes. he got he got asked about what it's going to be like to be playing in the Big 12 as opposed to the schedule that they've had in the past. And he brought up that they had played in Waco two years ago and they had an amazing experience. They thought the crowd was electric. And he, he even talked about how he's heard from their fans the reception that they got from our fans and how great it was. And, and he really hopes that people will come to appreciate Provo as much as they were able to appreciate yeah. Waco. And I know people that went to, to Provo last year and they came back saying like, it's just like, they're just nicest people. And like, they give ice cream out at the beginning of the fourth quarter. And like, they're just so like welcoming when you go there. It's like, and I think at that point they knew they were, I think they knew they were coming uh, last year, but still, I think it, regardless, they would have been that way. Oh, they knew they were coming two years ago. Yeah. Because if you remember uh, when they came to McLean to play, uh, we the suite that they gave their admin for You're the right. game, they put the they put the Big 12 You're logo right. and BYU blue on the wall for them. You're right. Um, but the funny thing, I think the most funny thing that happened in his press conference was, similar to Leipold, there was this lull where people just stopped raising their hands to ask questions. Now, granted, at this point... End of the day, everybody's been he's, doing he's this. He's the for, last one. Everybody's been in there for seven, eight hours. And he's the last one to go. You know, people, there's plenty of people that were yeah. already typing up their stories. He's not right really before they're attention. doing the breakout. So people are trying to go to the. Yeah, people were kind of going cover. to the back of the room where the breakouts were going to be. And he, it, unlike Leipold, where Leipold just kind of sat there and it was like, okay, well, we're done and walked off. He goes, I, I, it's like, I, I feel like everybody's hungry. Like, he asked, like, I want to say he asked like three times. No one has any questions. Yeah, no one has any questions. And he <laughs> like just he, goes, and he goes, I think everybody's just hungry. Maybe we should all just go eat. And it, he, kind of, it just really, yeah. it really brought the whole room back. And he said, <laughs> he goes, I'm hungry. Yeah. Like he was like. <laughs> yeah, he, he was so, human. And that's the, and I think that was kind of the key today was that we, we interacted with people in a human way yeah. rather than just watching them on a box, you know, yeah. or, or sitting in a, you know, sitting in some stands where they are playing on a stage in front of us. Yeah. Like, it very much was humanizing. Today. And I think doing that, like he had like, then he had 20 more minutes of questions. Yeah. Yeah. Immediately. No, like people couldn't stop asking him questions yeah. at that point. So yeah, that was, then we get to Dave Aranda. He was in the middle there, but his was a very, it was like, just like classic Dave Aranda. He spoke almost, I, I want to say he spoke almost as long before he started getting questions. And he just sat down and he got into it. Because he didn't even come out and do an opening statement of like, you know, hey, you know, we're excited to be at Baylor this year. And, you know, we're looking to build or whatever. Like yeah. he came out and he was just like, all right, guys. Let's talk about last year. Yeah, let's talk about, <laughs> let's talk about whatever, let's everything talk about that went wrong. about the disappointment. Yeah. He came out and was just like, so this is why I sucked last year. Like yeah. that's how he started it off. It was, it wasn't. Yeah, it was he, really like, I made these mistakes. Yeah. And that's. It's, he's so cool. He really is. And it's refreshing. Maybe, I'm, maybe I'm biased because he's my coach, but you're right. Yeah, refreshing is the right word. He's he's not going up there looking for anybody to blame but himself, and he's not he's not afraid of the negatives. He's not afraid of the the things that went wrong. It you truly see that he is. You know, in my article on my recap that I did on ODB today, I you know I I said it was true introspection that Baylor fans have come to expect. Yes. And, and and you can tell like he's just one of those people that it's probably like more than even every day. It's like every hour I feel like he's constantly saying like, how can I improve myself? Did I do good? Did I do bad? Did I do okay? Do I want to do better than I've done today? Do I want to do better than I did yesterday? And that's that's really the vibe that he came out with. when And he talked a lot about how, you know, last year they were too lenient on guys. That, that really was the theme. That was the theme. 
was, you know, and we have the... You let things go, they shouldn't let things go. Yeah, it, it, we have the mantra of person over player at Baylor, and I think we've all latched onto it, and we love it, and, um, you know, we've, we've seen it in action. For example, when, when he gave shape in the starting job early last year, allowing Gary enough time to transfer. You know, that's the person over player mantra. But Aranda talked about how sometimes when you focus too much on the individual, you forget about the team as a whole. And maybe sometimes you have to make some hard decisions and do some things that might hurt an individual's feelings, for lack of a better term to use here, because it's going to be better for the rest of the team. And you can't just yeah. coddle everybody. Yeah. And he talked about he talked about whenever like players go into like the pit and they're trying to climb out of the pit. And he was more concerned about the player than the pit's feelings and not about the player. We have to replace you. Yeah, and that, that's and, what he talked about in the breakout session. Yeah, yeah. like I, I, which was really interesting because I, I think he got even a little bit deeper into it. But you know, even in his in his press conference with the grander group, he compared players to artists, right? Yeah. And he's like, you know, I want them to all have like a signature that's you know their their own signature and what that they when yeah. what they do. Um, he mentioned that like people aren't just you know, and specifically the players. They're they're he said they're not just cogs in a wheel to create revenue. You know, um, he, he talked a lot about self-expression and how he wanted them all to be, like, true to who they are. Yeah, and, he, he, and one thing I latched on to and he talked about is, like, he wants to be able to help people change, players change, but he realizes they have to be willing to change and come to that conclusion on their own. Yes. You can't make them change. They have to kind of go by that organically. And it, that was when he was kind of speaking to, like, some of the mistakes he's made last year was... Maybe not letting people grow organically and trying to force things on players, and it just didn't work out in some instances. Um, but yeah, he's he talked about. I remember just saying how like they're fully they're full humans, fully formed humans in their own right. Whenever he started off talking about players and not just like you were talking about, you know, cogs in a wheel for revenue. You know, they're fully human in their own. Yeah, they're all right. unique individuals yes. is kind of the way that he was looking at it. Um, I, and I, I got the opportunity to ask a question. I raised my hand. They actually gave me the microphone. Unbelievable, I know. Because we yes. were, you know, as I said, we felt like we were imposters in that place. And, and I asked him the question of what, you know, what did you learn about yourself today? Or, you know, what do you think about yourself today compared um, to what you knew about yourself your first year, like what, what has changed about you in year four compared to year one? Um, and like, I have like the, the truncated quote of what he said back to me, but what, one of the things he talked to, it was like about legacy and purpose is really what it was about. Cause he said, every part of you has to know why you're doing this. What's really the long-term goal. What's the legacy you want you want to leave? Why are you doing this? You know? And he, he brought up, I think, you know, are you, are you in this for, you know, the biggest paycheck? He quoted C.S. Lewis and said, you know, like C.S. Lewis talks about, you know, having a mercenary heart. Yeah. Um, and so I think, I think what he really, what he was trying to boil down to you know, when he was talking about that was just like, I, I think he's saying that he realized like every year he needs to come into this and remember, like tell himself like, why am I, you know, I'm here, am I here to coach young men? Am I here to make money? Am I here to win games? Like, what's the true purpose? What am I trying to get out of this? Yeah. You know, uh, so his quote, in true Dave Aranda fashion, like the one to the question that I had asked was, you know, he started off with, appreciate that question. There's a lot that I've learned. I think the best way I can answer your question is that every piece of you, every part of you has to know why you're doing this. Like, what's the reason behind this? What's the, 
I think we can see what the short-term goals are, but really, what's the long-term goal? What's the legacy you want to leave? What's the reason? Why are you doing this? I think those things aren't worked out when your heart can be a mercenary heart, like C.S. Lewis has talked about, and you just go to the highest bidder, whatever it takes. I think to really know who you are, and that takes a lot of work because there's plenty of hiding spots. And so to really know who you are and to be able to express you is way cool, man. We'll try to get a lot of our team to do that. Of all the things that we're doing, I'm most excited about that. I appreciate the question. So I, I, I got two appreciate You got the two appreciate the questions. And like one question. And one question. That is impressive. Yeah. But no, he was, he, he waxed philosophical. Yeah. I don't think that there was a person in there that was really paying attention that wasn't just locked in. You know, it was the same thing with Gundy. It was the same thing with Holgerson, but they all kind of have different vibes, yeah. right? I, I know it's going to be the same way tomorrow with Joey. Like there's, there's not going to be a person that takes their eyes off of Joey, but that's going to be, in a, it's going to be the complete different other side different of the way. spectrum. Yeah. Joey's going to bring an energy like nothing, yeah. like nothing we will see. Dave, Aranda brings that like professorial energy. It's this calm. Yeah. Like it, it, you know, it's almost like I want to listen to this person because when I talk to him, I'm going to come away better than I was before. A great example was I went to the restroom. You know, in the, there was a break. I walked over. I went to the restroom. When I was coming back, there was a you know a random media person that had you know I guess gotten permission to to interview Dave on the side, and they were sitting there and they were recording right in front of the walkway where you would walk back. So I didn't want he was recording it. I didn't want to walk through his video feed, you know, and, and be that guy. So I stood there and I waited. And after about two minutes, they finished up. Aranda walked away, and the guy that was doing the interview looked at the guy that was working with him right next to him, and he goes, "That was the coolest story I've ever heard." And, and like every person that interacts with Aranda, they come away like that. You know, it's it because again, he's so human to everybody. He looks at you dead in the eye, and when he says, "I appreciate your question," I think he means it. Yeah, and you talk about like um, the first question of the day for him was from Bryce Cherry from the Waco Trib, and he's talking about the passing of his father, and you can tell like. The real emotion behind what he was talking about. Oh, yeah. He talked about how amazing it was to be able to tell his dad that he loved him. And yeah. Like, oh, man. It was just... He he is just such... Like... He's raw. And it's... it's um, I love listening to him speak. And I imagine it's the same way like when he goes to those coaching clinics and he's talking about defense. I'm sure those coaches are the same way. He's like, I just want to listen to him talk about football all day. Yeah. No. After the press conferences were done, we did, you know, we mentioned earlier that there were breakout sessions, which was essentially, you know, in the back of the room on the field, you know, each team had a little station with a table and a banner behind it and the media could go stand around um, and players or the coach would come up and you could ask them questions. So we got, we got to see Aranda a second time there and we got some more interesting insights um, listening to him to talk in that space. We got to hear him talk about the transfer portal um, and again, I think we, we, we really got to hear him talk about doing the hard things. Yeah. Um, so Transfer Portal was really interesting because he even mentioned in his opening statement before his presser that he didn't think Baylor used the Transfer Portal in the right way. And, uh, or they didn't necessarily use it enough. You know, there, there were guys that he could have brought in that maybe would make the team better. But he also said something that was really interesting is, is he called... He said speed dating, or he said uh, the transfer portal is like speed dating times 100 because it, it just moves so fast and their philosophy isn't a fast moving thing in the transfer no. portal. You know, he said they like to talk to the, the, the head coach of, the, of where they're at. They like to talk to the family and they even like to talk to their high school coach because they, he goes, if you have a guy that's on your team, you know, that's maybe a bad egg and he moves on, 
that doesn't affect you. Like you're you're you know you're you, you're losing a guy that that doesn't fit your culture or whatever. You're losing that. But if you bring in the wrong guy, now that becomes a problem for you. So it's it's a it's a huge thing for him to do that vetting process in the transfer uh, in the transfer portal. And he mentioned that there were multiple guys that left the team this year that went into the transfer portal that the coaching staff at Baylor were not contacted about whatsoever. I found that wild because like that you would bring in a player who's already played college football and did not talk to his yeah, not head just coach, not talk to just a text. Like, his like position, his position coaches, coach? yeah. anyone in the program to see like what this guy's like. And uh, that's, to me, is not a recipe for success. Yeah, and he, he, he said as much. And he goes, you know, uh, he, he wants to use the transfer portal more and they want to learn how they can do better there. But they're also not going to sacrifice the way that they want to do things and bring in the wrong person. They're going to yeah. still go through their vetting process. The other part about it, Matt, was was he talked about making hard decisions. Um, and that he doesn't think that he necessarily he did that well last year. Um you know, one of the quotes that I have written down was he, he brought up, you know, and again, this is the person over player thing and focusing maybe more on the individual than the team. And he brought up like a hypothetical of like, hey, say a guy, you know, injures his knee and then it's the first time he's ever been injured. And so like it affects his mental health. And so then his grades start dropping and, you know, and then you what you end up doing is you end up focusing so much on fixing that player and like not wanting to add more onto what they're doing, you know. And so maybe you don't replace them on the field when you should. Um, he, even, he even brought up a situation where he said, at the TCU game last oh, year. Oh, yeah. This is great. He said, at the TCU game last year, he said there was a wide receiver that lined up on the line and he was shaking. Like, because the moment was so big, essentially. Like He, he remembered it vividly. It was like it was third and three. <laughs> we were still up. Yeah. And he could see, like, the player, like, visibly. Physically, like shaking at the line of scrimmage, and he said, I, "He was like, I just sat there thinking, like, well, this isn't going to be good." Yeah, and like, you know, and he goes, "You know, those are the moments where you need to take a step back and realize, like, okay, I need to get this guy off the field and replace him." And he goes, "And I think, you know, what I have written down was, you know, you want to focus on, you know, the team as a whole." You know, he said, "On this hypothetical player that I've brought up, you know, that maybe got hurt or you know was having bad grades or something," and he said. He's in a pit, let's say, and he's struggling through something. Now we bring in someone else to come in and play that position. That part is hard, and I think I didn't want to do that a year ago, you know? And that was a mistake. I think the truth is the thing. It's like, hey, dude, we still love you, and we're going to get you better. We're going to stay with you. We're going to keep working with you. But it's like, hey, we have to do this for the team. And so I think those conversations are hard, but those hard conversations have to happen. Yeah, and he along with that like doing that whole like scenario he was like the the point of the question was his, or the point of his answer was like when when things are most critical or things are the hardest we need to be at our best yeah at that point um and as it goes into what he was saying like the guy shake is like at that point we weren't at our best we were like nervous and thinking about other stuff whenever we should have been like firing on all cylinders yep and I asked him the question in this breakout session. You know, I said I got to ask him a question twice, and this was the second one I got to ask. I said, I asked him, what does success look like for you this year? And, and that's, a, that's a question I really wonder for him, for the team, for, and for Baylor fans as a whole. Coming off, you know, we're, we're now two years removed. This will be our, you know, uh, you know a full, full season since we won the Big 12 championship. 
last year, even though we were 500 in the regular season and, mm-hmm. you know, we won in Norman and, you know, uh, we blew, had out a, Texas you know Tech. blew out Texas Tech on the road. Um, it was still a big disappointment for us. Lots of games that we probably could have won, should have won, maybe, yeah. you know, like choked away would be a way to put it. Um, but overall, it was just a disappointing year and you got that vibe from everybody that was there. So I, I've been curious this offseason of, what does success look like for you know each individual group? What are Baylor yeah. fans? Is it ten wins? Is it eight wins? Is it is it making it back to Arlington? What's successful for us right now? And what what Aranda said, and it was it ended up being a longer answer than this, but this was the key quote that I wrote down, and and because I really loved it, um, and it shows it shows how honest he is, um, you know. And so in response to what does success look like, he said, for us to be at our best when it matters the most, I think you look at two years ago. You know the game that was played here? And, you know, of course, in reference to AT&T Stadium, the Big yeah. 12 championship game, where in the biggest moment of the season, they stopped the guy and it shorted the goal line and won the game. So, you know, you know the game that was played here was a good example. When things got hard, we were pretty good. Last year, when things got hard, we disappeared. It's mental toughness. He's absolutely right. When, when the moment gets big, can you be there and be ready for it? And I don't think there's anybody else that I would want trying to fix that on a team than Dave Aranda. No. And he, it's funny. What, what come to me and probably some other people is like, he, he's been criticized for last year for not being active in the portal in the off season and for not making changes with personnel during the season. And he came out and said that. But people said that, I mean, it seems like Baylor fandom has, like, is of two minds. Either you're for us or against us. Yeah. And so, like, if someone says, like, we should have done more transfer portals, like, you're not a real Baylor fan. You don't trust the coaches. But then Dave Rihanna comes out and says, like, I should have been more active in transfer portal. Kind of, like, confirming this crit- criticism that people have had of him. Or, like, I should have made changes to personnel. I gave kids too much leeway when I should have been a little more firm. And it's, I wish we could come as a fandom. And be more nuanced instead of just one or the other. Yeah. Yep. No. And, and that's the thing that comes with like budding success. You know, it yeah. is uh, we'll, we'll learn as 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 we build our fan base and our fan base grows and and you know it's not too long ago that we were really really bad Baylor. Yeah, I mean think about it. like it's only we won our first championship ten years only ago. ten years ago. Yeah, ten years. So, Ten years, of this and that season. was and that was coming out of being one of the historically worst teams, like in the history. Oh yeah, of sports. don't so, look at Baylor's record from '96. Yeah, to present, so it's not great. <laughs> it, it, you know, uh, but I, I'm just I'm very excited for Aranda because for uh, for this season with him because yeah, me too. He's just he's so honest, and it, it's it's almost like we all there. You know, there were thousands of us that were watching this team last year, and I think most of us would agree, like. Those were, were what the problem is. And so when you see your head coach, the leader of the program, come out and be like, oh, yeah, these are what the problems is are. And you're like, okay, I wasn't crazy. Uh, and, and and you've recognized that, too. And that's what you're going to focus on and fix. And But he also sees it at a different level. Like, for me, I'd be like, well, our secondary played poorly. And for Dave Aranda, it's like, I had people on the field that shouldn't be on the field. Yeah. Like, it's not necessarily anything that schematically or culturally that we're doing. It's just like... I didn't want to make hard choices. Right. And so because of that, we suffered. 
Yeah. And, and he takes full responsibility for that. You know, we, we, you and I talked about a ton last year with Blake Shapin where he was getting a lot of criticism. And I, I kept bringing up, like, guys, I watch – when I go to these home games, I'm sitting really up high. I get a really, really good view of the field. And there are a lot of times that you guys are getting mad at Shapin. And I'm like, I don't know who he's going to throw the ball to because nobody's open. And and sure enough, Miranda's like, oh, yeah, and like a really big moment. Like our wide receivers are over on the sideline shaking. And it's yeah. like – and I'm not criticizing that wide receiver for that. I'm not trying to make fun of them. I don't think it's funny. And I want to make that clear because there is no way I'm mentally tough enough in a moment like that to not be, to be the guy that's and not shaking. how could shaking. you not? Because like, we had injuries on our wide receiver core. You're putting in a guy who's never played in that level of game before. Well, I mean, who knows? Maybe it was a senior. Like, you didn't say who I mean, it was. So, we could go back and watch the film and figure it out. <laughs> But, Call this guy out. We also did get to hear from from some players. Um, Blake Shapin was there. It, nothing crazy, I think, that came early out of his interviews. It was all pretty much like, you know, he's working on things to improve and he's excited about coming into the yeah. year. All um, I have from Shapin is like, improving culture is important to bounce back in 2023. You know, Drake Dabney talked about, you know, how uh, Ben Sims was kind of like set the standard and... Um, he did mention that he thought he was kind of like on the rise last year. When he got hurt. Before he got hurt. Um, Dabney's a guy that I'm really excited about. Josh Cameron was there as well. He was, he was a really, really interesting one to listen to because, um, you, he was one of the ones that you could tell he was legitimately excited to be there. And he talked about how, you know, he had prayed for a moment like this where he got to be, he's the guy at media days, you know, like you, you could tell this was like a really, really cool thing for him. Um, you know, I, I got really excited listening to him talk. We got to hear from Mike Smith Jr., the transfer in from Liberty. Um, I got to, I, you know, I asked him about, you know, what what I, what he thought his best trade as a player was, and he said, you know, my speed, man. And he, he talked about like, even when I make a mistake, I just go. Well, also, he's like, he's like his ability, like when he talks about speed, like his to read, to read recognize, react, react, yeah. like to. It not sounded think, very Terrell Bernard to me. Not think about it, know what's going to yeah. happen, know where he's going. Very, it sounded very Terrell Bernard to me. Like that's yeah. the vibe that I got from him. And he was getting like. Coach Aranda had great things to say about Mike Smith. T.J. Franklin was like, I can't wait to have And that's what I want to get into is T.J. Franklin. Yeah. Because T.J. Franklin was the first pre- – he came out and talked before Aranda in the yeah. breakout session. Uh, I think most of the, like, the coaches either went first or the coach kind of sat there the whole time. And, you know, T.J. Franklin really came out. One of the questions that we had last year, Matt, was we're losing Terrell Bernard and Jalen Petrie. Who's the leader on this team? And I think some people thought it might be Ika. Some people thought it might be Dylan Doyle. Some people thought it might be Shapin. If there was any questions about who the leader of this team is going into 2023, that's answered. I fully believe it's TJ Franklin. Yeah, and TJ Franklin, he's a guy, he's a... What, sixth year? Rural recruit. Uh, But then he's like fully bought in with Aranda, person of a player, the whole culture of what Baylor football is like he's fully bought in you could tell like he is one of the leaders in the, on the at least on the defense side of the ball and I think pretty much on the team and like he talked about speaking about what Aranda was saying about letting things go and not being one to confront problems last year resting on his laurels and all that TJ Franklin was the one that said like you know we're not gonna let I'm not gonna let things slide anymore mm-hmm. that's like his mind says like we're not gonna let things slide and then he talks about how it's infectious to where like I stop letting things slide. I start calling people out. Then Blake starts calling people out. And then Matt Jones, Matt starts, Jones calling. starts calling people out. So it's kind of like infectious. Like we're going to hold each other accountable because we're not going to let you sabotage our team. And it was, 
A lot of times those answers come in the abstract where yeah. it's like, oh, well, the solution to the problem would be to do this. It, well, that he was like, the case. here's what I did. Yeah. He's like, here's what I'm doing. Yes. Like, he's like, it, it does not happen anymore. Like, yes. he kept saying, letting things slide. Yeah. No, it didn't We're not going like, to let things and, slide. And he, he said the words, you know, like, you know, sometimes guys were doing bad stuff. I really kind of got the vibe what he was talking about was like, maybe showing up late to stuff, not paying attention to meetings, maybe not giving effort in practice, maybe not giving effort in weightlifting. It also, also could be people who are going Slipping out, up in grades. Going yeah. Out, yeah, going partying, out and partying when they shouldn't before a game and, or something like that. Yeah, and even like, even this offseason, we had a player who had like a DWI, things like that. Yeah. And so he, you know, he, he talked about, he used the term letting things slide a lot. And he was like, no more. Like, you know, it's done. And, you know, you, you and I talked about it at dinner earlier was we knew who that guy was in 21. It was, it was Terrell Bernard. Like Terrell Bernard, I always felt like if you did something wrong, you were going to have to answer to him. Like, it was kind of like, you know, like he was not going to let you not be, but not be, you know, everything that you needed to be on the national championship basketball team. We all knew like Mark Vidal would tear you a new one. If you weren't out there being, you know, full of effort out there in practice, you know, that it just was not and an I option. I think when you have players like Terrell Bernard, Jalen Petrie, who, you know, go like a hundred percent all the time. Right. They set the they, example. They set the, the standard and everyone has to rise up to their standard. Cause like, well, these stars, there's no excuse are going yeah, I'm 100% doing all the yeah. time. So what I don't have an excuse not to go 100. So. percent yeah. yeah, and that's the vibe that I got from Franklin is and and he did specifically call out that Blake is doing that too. He was like, you know, like I started doing it and and Shapin was the next name. And he's like, and so it's almost like I kind of got the vibe like I'm taking care of the defense. Blake is taking care of the offense. Aranda even with Shapin, if we wanted to stay on that train for just one more part of it, like Aranda brought up that his leadership. Well, it was even more than that. It was his own. It was his own memory, right? Yeah. He said last year. Oh yeah, this is great. When there would be a bad series in practice or in a game, he, he even he made it sound like Blake would try to go hide. Like, you know, I didn't want to face that. And he said in by the time they got to spring this year, he said it, he, he really noticed and he sounded sincere. It didn't sound like Coach B. Where he said, you know, a bad series would happen and then Blake is just like, Okay, boom, let's go again. Like and he he even he even used like he even kinda of like pantomimed, he was like, you know, it's almost like you take that um, adversity. And you put it up on your shoulder. And you're like, yeah, I know you're here. I love, he said, like, hello, adversity, my old friend. Yeah, hello, like, adversity. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And, you know, and it, it was almost like. I just thought of, like, the Ben Affleck meme. Like, yeah. You know, he talked about, it's almost like, a, it's almost like you, you can't say anything to Blake anymore. Like, there's nothing that Shapin hasn't yeah. experienced. Like, it, so now he's like, okay, I've been through it. Now let's just go play ball. Randa was very um clear about that like last year if he hit something bad would happen in a series he and he kind of like pantomimed like a roller coaster going down it's like yeah. it's gonna be downhill yeah you know but this year he has a bad series the next series he has a great series he like he forgets about it and goes out there and attacks the next series and that's what you want to see out of your quarterback for sure yeah, it's mental toughness and, he, and i we brought it up it was his first year as a starter yeah you know i think i think drake pole has talked about this about how like you go compare you know, his stats to other notable quarterbacks and, you know, when they were young and they were in their first year as a starter, you'd be surprised at how many guys Blake was actually better Even than. still, like, he started, he has 13 starts. Yeah. He started 13 games. It's not like he's, like, two this full isn't years. Brewer. Yeah, <laughs> this is like, this isn't 2020 Charlie Brewer who's had, like, three full years of starting. Yeah. Just about. This is like, you have pretty much one full season. Yeah. That's it. 
Overall, I think, though, for Baylor, the takeaway out of media days today was really a willingness to admit mistakes, a willingness to admit flaws, and the ability to show the actions that are currently being taken, not that we want to take, the actions that are in place right now that are fixing those flaws. Yeah, because you're right. If it would have been like, here are the mistakes we made, here's the things we've addressed, and then just been coach speak about how they're fixing it. But it's like, no, here's, here's what we're doing. Here's the changes we've made. So yeah, for sure, uh, it kind of gets me. Gets me excited. Oh, it gets me excited. Like I want to go. Let's go kick off tomorrow. Let's, let's okay. go some college football. So I think that we had saved this this last part that we're gonna do. We're already going. We're at fifty two minutes. Damn. Yeah. Um. So we'll do we'll do our best to run through this quickly. Um. But we've been we've been teasing it for a while. We said we would do it during the uh, during our media days episode. Um. So we're gonna let's talk a little bit real quick. Uh, there's going to be no pop culture in this episode, if that's what you're looking for. Sorry. We're going to talk about our, our preseason poll and our preseason All-Big 12 conference teams that we voted okay. for. So do you want to do like the the official like Big 12? And then yeah, first, run through it for me then, real quick. Yeah. So you want to do like the the poll? Yeah, let's do the poll. You say who – you go start at 14. Okay. And work, and then you say who was the actual one. I'll say who I voted for. You say who you voted for. Okay. So in the Big 12's official media – preseason media poll, 14 – was West Virginia. I voted for West Virginia at 14. I have West Virginia at 14. Yeah. Um, okay. So who's 13? 13, Cincinnati. I had Oklahoma State, and a lot of people disagree with me on that, but despite my loving of uh, Mike Gundy's press conferences, I have zero hope in Oklahoma State this year. I say the same thing. I have uh, Houston, despite my love of Dana Holger's press <laughs> conference, I still have them at 13. All right. Uh, 12. Houston. I had Cincinnati. And I had Cincinnati. <laughs> All right. So, yeah. So, we were we, we, we gave Cincinnati a bit more love than, than the rest of the media did. Number 11 was is BYU. I had Houston. And I had Oklahoma State. All right. So, yeah. You had Oklahoma State down there, too. Okay. Number 10, Iowa State. I have. And uh, people told me I, I'm ye man of little faith. I have Kansas at 10. I have BYU. All right, so you, 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 got, you got that right. All right, look at you. At number nine, Kansas. All right, so I just had mine flip-flop because I have BYU at number nine. I have Iowa State at number nine. All right. Number eight, UCF. Number eight, I had Iowa State. Kansas. Oh, all right, so you had them in eight. Okay. Number seven, Oklahoma State. Number seven, I had uh, the University of Central Florida. I had the University of Oklahoma. Oh, you had them all the way down there. All right, number six, your Baylor Bears. I had the TCU Horned Frogs at six. I had Central Florida. Have we agreed on anything yet? I think uh, Cincinnati's the only West Virginia. Oh, uh, West Virginia, yeah. <laughs> and Cincinnati. Yeah. Okay, number five, TCU. I had Baylor. I had TCU. <laughs> Number four, Texas Tech. Number four, I had uh, the University of Oklahoma. I had Baylor. All right. All right. Number three, Oklahoma. All right. Again, I flipped them. I have Texas Tech at number three. I have Texas Tech at number three. All right. There we go. We finally agreed. We finally agreed again. I think uh, our next two are going to be the same as well. Yeah, next two are going to be the same. And I think we, I think we both matched up with what everything else is okay. here. Number two, Kansas State. Kansas State. Kansas State. Number one, 
The University of Texas. Ah, uh, yeah, I have Texas. And I as well have Texas. Yeah, we all voted Texas number one. So, um, uh, I already wrote up an article on this on Our Daily Paris if you want to go check that out. But, yeah, I mean, I don't think there's too many interesting things to pull out. A, a general consensus at the press conference today was uh, the last last couple of years, whoever's been voted number one did not even, you know, Make it to the title game. Last year, TCU was seven. Year before that, Baylor was six. Yeah. So Kansas, Kansas, I think they were probably somewhere in the middle last year. Yeah. We bring up TCU, but Kansas State, I say Kansas, Kansas State actually won the conference last year. I will say, though, a lot of people did name Kansas State as like a dark horse last year. But They did. Um, but I still think they were probably in the top, they were, they were in the top half, but they were in the middle. They weren't one, two, or three. That's fair. Um, now, I don't really care about talking about the preseason team. Uh, because I, I copied half of yours. I even I even put a player that's at Kansas. Uh, um, oh, which one did I, I? I put a player that was at Kansas at Kansas, and I said he was from Kansas State when I said in my vote. So that's cool. But I do want to talk about um, the players of the year. Superlatives. Yes. Yeah. I think we probably got the offensive player of the year right. I did same. not. Okay. No. So I'll just say the. Big 12 preseason offensive player of the year, Jalen Daniels, quarterback from Kansas. I voted for Xavier Worthy, wide receiver out of Texas. I had Jalen Daniels, quarterback Kansas. I think I think Xavier Worthy is the second best player in college football behind only um, Marvin Harrison Jr. I, I have high expectations for Xavier Worthy this year. All right. And he's very good. Defensive player of the year, though, I do believe I got correct. So... I will apologize. I had my green and gold glasses on when I did the next two. <laughs> so, uh, the defensive player of the year, Jalen Ford, linebacker from Texas. I voted for Jalen Ford, linebacker from Texas. I voted for Gabe Hall, defensive lineman from Baylor. <laughs> I remember seeing yours and being like, you homer. You also have it like... Gets, it you, gets worse. You put a ton of... Oh, well, I mean, you and I voted the same oh. for the next one. You had a ton of Baylor players on your... Uh, I, have, uh, I have Baylor players on my team... That don't play for Baylor anymore. <laughs> Who did you put on there? AJ McCarty is like <laughs> breakout player, or whatever, something like that. Oh man! Because in right. my mind, I'm like, he's gonna like lock down the star position. People are gonna be shocked. And then the next day, it's like he's leaving the program. Yeah. I was like, awesome. <laughs> All right, uh, newcomer of the year is the last one, Matt. Who did you vote for? New- or who, well, who won newcomer of the year? Treshawn Ward. Running back Kansas State, which I thought was interesting because I one thing I will say is in the all in the all conference vote, uh, Richard Reese was the the only Bear that made the all conference team. Uh, running yes. back Richard Reese, so he was named as uh, all conference running back. Mm-hmm. The other one was Devin Neal. So the newcomer of the year is a running back who wasn't voted as All Big Twelve. Um, but yeah, Treshawn Ward. I actually I did put on my green and gold glasses. I voted for Utah straight Utah State transfer, former four star recruit who was uh, at the University of Texas before yeah. transferring to Utah State. Um, and from what I've heard from my Texas friends, a uh, very, very good player. They were very excited about him and sad when he transferred away. Um, and that's uh, Byron Vons. That's who I had as my newcomer of the year as well. Yeah, I have I have high hope for Vons. Um, Vons and uh, Mike Smith Jr. should be like a huge influx of, of awesomeness onto this defense this year. Yeah, I mean, Sark, whenever he's talking about Texas, he kind of talked about how they have competitive depth across all positions. And I think with with Vaughn's added to Garmin Randolph and others at that jack position, you can kind of say the same thing. Like, it's good to have, like, 
Because I think at times last year you don't we didn't have depth at Jack. Right. Right. So it's like it's good to have competitive depth, which I think is a good turn of phrase for Yeah, all not positions. depth because you need it, depth because you like, can you, now, become, yeah, you, you can start. Yeah. Yeah. And for sure. you, you know, I can I can flip you out there based off of situations or to give other guys a rest. Sure. And I know I'm not like I'm not dropping the talent that I have. For sure. So for sure. Matt, closing thoughts. Closing thoughts is it was a eventful day one of Big Twelve Media Days, and um, looking forward to here. I am looking forward to day two. Yeah, I am too. I I'm very excited to listen to Joey McGuire talk. I I like listening to him talk, and uh, well, it's entertaining. I mean, it's he's, entertaining. He's entertaining. Yeah, I mean, that's it. Like full the, of energy. Yeah, the dude has. He's energy. gonna fire everyone up in the room, and and so I'm excited to listen to Joey. And then maybe another part of this is today felt like the working day. You know, because yeah. because Baylor was going today, so you and I were like, this morning we were getting mentally prepared. Like you're writing a, a write up for yeah. ODB. You know, like so, like there was there were like things that we knew we had we we didn't just have to do that we wanted to do. We today. were like live tweeting the whole yeah. like thing. And... Tomorrow is a play day, man. We just get to go we'll and sit enjoy. Back and, like, yeah, we get to go is... enjoy. There's no pressure tomorrow, so I, I'm I'm very excited. Everyone's be watching on like ESPN Plus or ESPN News. Like, I got on TV. Today, we're gonna man. catch the last show. Man. I was on TV. People tweeted out a picture of me. With subtitles and everything. Yes. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, eventful day. It's it's crazy how a DM from Matt two years ago that said, I think really, like, I think legitimately said, I have a podcast that no one listens to. Do you want to do it with me? Yeah. And and now we're, we, we got to, we had to hang out at Big 12 Media Days today. So amazing how far we've come um, just by finding forms to fill out online. Yeah. We've like, even like both of us like had conversations with people that, we followed that kind of like inspired us to like f- cover college football today. And it's a, uh, it's a very like, like you said, like, I don't know if I belong here. <laughs> this is um, a weird scenario all the way around, but super fun to be here. And I'm looking forward to tomorrow. Yeah. Really appreciate the big 12 allowing us to be here and, yes. and being a part of this. So Matt, as always until next time, Sick em bears. Sick em. Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.